Oh, I'm also going to say that I forgot to turn the air conditioning off, so the first half hour of this one has some air conditioning. Sorry. That'll be the cold open. Tish. <laughs> Sorry. And the reason it will be the cold open is because Liz had the air conditioning on. I got there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Liz. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very 104th episode of Octothorpe. This episode is coming to you on the 29th of February 2024. I am John Coxon. I am Alison Scott. And I am Liz Batty. Happy Leap Day, folks. Ooh. Ooh. So, Liz, who are you proposing to today? Hmm? So, Liz, who are you proposing to today? Looking blackly at me. Yeah. It's it's an old thing where Leap Day and April Fool's Day are the two days where women can propose to men for marriage. Oh, I see. And by some old thing, you mean something that has not really applied in my lifetime? <laughs> well, it's a I mean, custom. According to the patriarchy, Liz. Yeah, I'm definitely paying tons of attention to that then, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> right then. This episode, listeners, we are going to talk about what we enjoyed from 2023 and what we might nominate for awards in 2024, including but not limited to the Hugo Award. So if you're wondering why we're all being completely silent on the amazing things that have happened in science fiction and science fiction fandom in the last two weeks, um, that's because they haven't happened yet. I think we should say a little bit about the fan categories. Um, we probably won't say too much because I tend to think that people who um, know and love these categories also know some of the what, things they want to vote for. But I, I really wanted a chance to shout out um, Jerry Sullivan's idea, which is a fantastic fuzzy that had an issue in December 2023 and is eligible for the Hugo and is, I think, the fanzine and I have enjoyed the most in the last 12 months. That's the only thing I had in fanzine, and you sniped me, Alison. You bastards. You asked me to introduce the category? That's what you get. <laughs> I did. This is what I get. I should, I, should never, I should never do it again. I don't know if Idea's on the internet yet. All of Idea is online. The, the recent issues are at eFanzines, and the previous ones are at Fanac. I would like to say this is very good. Um, it has a great article by one Alison Scott. Um, and it also has Sandra's um, report from Pemicon, which will give some context to why we were saying that the Montreal bid would need to have answers for some of the things that happened there. So if you are unfamiliar with what happened at Pemicon, I advise you go and read idea number 13. I am just briefly going to shout out in this category the Ancillary Review of Books, who publish a lot of book criticism. And the reason I'm going to shout them out is because I assume they were semi-prozine. Um, and in fact, they are unpaid, and so they are a fanzine instead. So anyone thinking of nominating that, this is the category it should go in. Ooh. Hmm. Intriguing. Do we have any... So I would like to mention... Um, noted fan artist and noted wife more noted for being a fan artist i would say hispania sheriff um i will be enthusiastically nominating her for fan artist and alison won't tell you to nominate her but i will uh, you should nominate alison as well because she's great 
I will also say we would obviously nominate Hugo Girl, but they have recused themselves, so we cannot. I We had mooted nominating Ersatz Culture for Best Fan Writer, but I believe he has said somewhere that he would recuse if he was awarded it, and he wants people to nominate Chinese fan writers. Yeah, it is. It, uh, Ersatz Culture has said that he will recuse if you nominate him, but also that he's going to put up a list of Chinese uh fan writers who are worth looking at so when that pops up we'll mention it so you can go and take a look at those um i'm hoping quite a lot of um you know reports from chengdu will start trickling out and being uh, translated for fan writer i'd quite like to see um i'm sure other people will think of this but please nominate paul weimer <laughs> um, this might be something that comes back up through my um nominations yep yeah please nominate paul weimer who was unjustly i think we could agree left off the hugo ballot in 2023 and i would also think about camastros Falapton, who has done a lot of great work yes i would agree i might nominate some of the nerds of a feather crew my problem is that sometimes i read nerds of a feather and don't pay 100 percent attention to who is writing which bits um but they have some great writers there so we can just nominate nerds of a feather yes well, only in fanzine, not in best fan writer. Yeah, but I might go and have a look at the different bits. We're lumping all of the fan categories together at the moment. So Nerds of a Feather is a good fanzine wreck. Paul Weimer is a contributor to Nerds of a Feather, as is friend of the pod uh, Hayley Zapal, who is one of the Hugo Girl uh, hosts. Another fan writer we should mention is Sandra Bond. And um, she has been posting... She she is just generally a very good fan writer. Her um, work from idea makes her eligible for a fan writer, as does a vast uh, vast corpus of other work. Um, I will also say, if she continues to write excellent poems about Dave McCarty in the Anonymous Claire Discord, then I shall be definitely nominating her next year as well, and I shall be hoping that they make their way into the voter packet. She writes excellent poems on a wide range of things all over the internet. So I think actually that's another reason why Sandra Bond might deserve your fan writer vote. I've got a fan cast. As I said last year, everyone should nominate Going Solo by Tansy Gardam, which is an incredibly deeply researched podcast um, that did a series on the solo film, a series on Row One. And in 2023, there's the end of the solo series plus a series on the writer's strike with a lot of historical stuff about the past strikes and how they affected things and also standalone episodes on the creator and how to train your dragon and it's really good and it's really funny and it's really well written and yeah you should really 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 nominate that one if you nominate one podcast nominate going solo i believe it is still called going rogue oh sorry quite like well i think the because i think that season podcasts with seasons confuse me because like what are they even oh god it is called going rogue sorry we are an evergreen podcast all right nominate going rogue by tansy gardam not going solo i've got confused and it's also wrong on the hugo spreadsheet so please nominate going rogue game apparently yeah Something called Best Game or Interactive Work, a new category. So the two obvious ones in this category are two games I have not played, which are Tears of the Kingdom and Baldur's Gate 3. I 
didn't like Breath of the Wild enough to want to play the sequel. Baldur's Gate 3 is on my list of things to play, but um, I haven't got around to it yet. Do you want to do actual suggestions then now? The thing I enjoyed very much from 2023 uh, was a game called Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which I think was amazing. It took everything I loved about the first game and then basically just made it all better, which was great. Which was the first game, John? Uh, Jedi Fallen Order. I will be enthusiastically nominating Star Wars Jedi Survivor for a Hugo Award. I will also be nominating a couple of board games. I do not expect them to arrive on the ballot, but equally I feel I would be remiss if I did not nominate them. First things first, I can't nominate Arkham Horror the Card Game on account of how it didn't have an expansion in 2023. It's very sad. Will be enthusiastically... I will say the 2022 expansion was an absolute masterpiece and everyone who doesn't like it was wrong. I will also be nominating Earthborn Rangers, which I really like. I've only played a little bit of it, but I think it's really good. And it's basically if... It's the gameplay of Arkham Horror, the card game, with the setting of Horizon Zero Dawn, in a way. And so it is very up my alley. Oh, that sounds good. It does, doesn't it? A little bit of Seventh Continent dashed in. I've seen a lot of people saying lovely, lovely things about this on the internet over the... While I've been in a... While I've been under a rock, the rock I've been under has had a lot of board games in it. The other games I will be nominating are Moon and Star Wars the deck building game, both of which I thought were great. I was sceptical that Star Wars the deck building game would be great, and then it turned out it was great, so that was pleasantly surprising. But yes, those are my those are my um, picks in games. There is also a game on the giant spreadsheet of Doom that I have not played, but really, really, really want to, so I don't know if either of you have played it, called Apiary, where you play space bees. Yes, that has... That has um... It is on my list of things to play, but I have not yet played. I would very much like to play it. But I looked that night. Oh, yes, that's a good choice. <laughs> Despite the fact that I haven't played it. Just on the buzz of all the people who have. My favourite game from 2023 wasn't genre, which is sad. It's it's about economics and it has no SF elements at all. Which game's that? Hegemony, which is a basically a model of class systems and economics and is absolutely wonderful it's just so good long time listeners will note that the weight on bgg that it has of 4.18 uh would not usually be in the coxon range of acceptable weights for a board game and yet i love it and the other one that's on there is chance of sinar which someone called liz likes i did please go back and listen to whatever episode i chose it as a pick it's pretty good. I'll probably nominate it because I've literally played two eligible games this year, I think, because um, I only just got a Switch and I don't have a PlayStation 5 and I haven't played many board games. So, <clears throat> yeah, it's probably Chances of now, possibly Dredge, which is this sort of atmospheric fishing game. Yeah, otherwise, that is about it. I'd like to play Baldur's Gate 3, but I haven't, you know, forked out the cash for PlayStation 5 yet. Which means I also can't nominate Horizon Forbidden West Burning Shores, which is on there, but I haven't played that. Yeah, I haven't played that either. I own it, but I haven't played it. Baldur's Gate 3 is available on the Mac, but not the PS4. This seems very ludicrous to me. We'll also say another thing that's eligible in this category is the Galactic Star Cruiser. (laughs) I didn't go on the Galactic Star Cruiser, 
But I just think we should note that because it was very ambitious and I've read so many articles about it and I'm just like, I would have given a kidney. Well, I wouldn't have given a kidney. I could have given a kidney and I didn't. So clearly I wouldn't have done. What was Galactus Star Cruiser? Three day long LARP. It was an interactive, yeah, Star Wars hotel slash LARP. Yeah. But so this is basically saying it's a convention, right? It's a convention. No, it's not. It's like Phantom Peak. No, it's a it's a LARP. There's a storyline, and you can affect it and change it, and your you know decisions have meaning. I think it falls under interactive work. A hundred percent. In the same way that I think if you went to Phantom Peak, that would be eligible for this category because it's a repeatable thing where it resets every time people enter it. Unlike a convention where a convention is unique and you can never go back. So did, did they did they run it multiple times? Is it like a yeah. Oh, yeah, so it's like a thing you... It was basically a three-day-long escape room. And then we go on to the category of Best Dramatic Presentation Short Form. Ooh. Alison, you watch TV. I do. Have I watched any of this TV? Have I done any thinking about this? I am bewilderingly behind on my... 2023 television i will say that strange new worlds has uh, a number of episodes on and i think basically you could nominate any strange new worlds i think it'll be great um but the ones that are on the hugo spreadsheet of doom are ad astra per aspera under the cloak of war tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow those old scientists and subspace rhapsody i think of those i would nominate those old scientists because i thought it was absolutely wonderful and it would be a very worthy winner ditto in a fight slash old friends new planets from lower decks um i think would also be very very good and there is an episode of the mandalorian on there which was episode 20 sorry episode 7 of season three which is the spies which um i did also quite enjoy i really want to what to nominate for all mankind but i feel like i want to nominate it in long form rather than short form but i think it might be a bit difficult to nominate in long form because of the way in which the seasons overlap the year and i'll need to do a bit of you know finding out what everybody's doing the episode that is mentioned on the giant um spreadsheet of doom is leningrad so i guess i probably will put in a nomination in short form as well the thing that people are mentioning here that i have not watched and feel most guilty about is another apple tv show called silo which i think is probably very good but i have not got around to watching yet i've heard very good things i'm still (laughs) i'm nearly all the way through season three of the expanse guys we are halfway through season three of for all mankind and it is very good i will say that the previous the the previous times for all mankind has appeared on the ballot it has been nominated in short form for a specific episode so i would imagine that would continue but i do not know for sure but none of these episodes make any sense whatsoever unless you are familiar with the overarching story arc so yeah no both the giggle and the church on ruby road are on the hugo spreadsheet of doom i have enjoyed um i did enjoy the run of of doc two specials recently but i'm not sure i was planning to nominate any of them i'm sure they'll be on the ballot but um i'm not just really sure i think that they deserve hugo awards maybe that's very controversial maybe that's a hot take 
I would also say, I mean, I'm not nominating For All Mankind because I think its fourth season was not very good. So no nominations for you. <laughs> also on the, you know, people have been talking about Blue-Eyed Samurai, which I've started watching but not finished. So I can't tell you which episode is best yet, but that from the first three it, uh, episodes is pretty great. I enjoyed Foundation a lot more in season two than season one. Um, I don't know what episode again to nominate, but probably not the season finale, which people put on there because I thought that was a bit weak. It'll be one of the later episodes leading up to us. I'm going to put Strange New Worlds on, but I like Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, which is the the time travel, the time travel one uh, with Kirk more full disclosure liz yeah i'm probably just gonna nominate five episodes of strange new worlds no sorry <laughs> four of strange new worlds and water flower decks i i genuinely think strange new worlds is one of the best things in science fiction television at the moment i just i would love to see it win a hugo award most of the other things we're discussing i'm like i think it would be fine if it won a hugo award but it wouldn't excite me john you need to catch up with for all mankind so that liz and i can have a big argument I mean, if I had to pick for All Mankind or Strange New Worlds, it's Strange New Worlds. Oh, should I be watching Strange New Worlds? Were you not just... I just said that, Alison, like, just now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's on a TV service I don't have. Is that, the, is that the reason I'm not watching it? Yeah, it's on Paramount+. Plus. Oh, God. So I need another TV service. Yeah, but just get it for a month, watch all of Strange New Worlds, and then cancel. Okay, that's what we'll do. But we have to finish the... Do we have to finish The Expanse first? You can finish The Expanse whenever you like. Strange New Worlds doesn't rely on any story from The Expanse. It won't spoil you. <laughs> yeah, but we normally only watch one television, science fiction TV show at the time, right? Hey, wait, wait, wait. You've been watching For All Mankind and The Expanse, or at least you took a pause. Yeah, no, so we, we watched bits of The Expanse, and then we, then we watched For All Mankind, and then we went to, back to The Expanse as a bit of a For All Mankind methadone. Because, I mean, For All Mankind demonstrates what it is of, I want in my science fiction that The Expanse doesn't have. But nevertheless, The Expanse, you know, I've, I've kind of got the hang of it now. I would also say that I have not watched Gen V, um, which is the boys' spin-off, so I don't know if it was any good. But in general, I am still bewildered that the Hugo Electorate are not nominating the boys, which I think is like one of the most savage criticisms of modern day. So for those who don't know, um, the boys was developed by Eric Kripke, who was also the showrunner on Supernatural. And Supernatural is sort of a love letter to America in the same way that The Boys is a savage tearing apart of America. Like, Supernatural is a celebration of everything that's good about it, and The Boys is a quite cutting critique of everything that's bad about it. And um, I think The Boys is great, and um, I will be paying attention to the 2024 season with great interest because the previous three seasons were amazing. And once again, where can I watch it? Amazon, which you have if you're watching The Expanse. So, oh yes, it is. Ooh, I have, I have, I have. You know, I have the Amazon if I Amazon if I want to get print and play components delivered to my house twice a week. Obviously, The Last of Us was eligible, and I don't know if I'll put the whole series in long form or just put the episode in short form that made me cry a lot, which was long, long time, which is basically a standalone. So there you go poker face which i should watch and i have not watched oh it's great i might try and put some of that in short form in best dramatic presentation short form listener raj recommends the wonderful story of henry sugar and the church on ruby road from doctor who thank you very much listener raj i would also like to shout out whoever uh has put on the spreadsheet 
Superconductor PB10XCUX showing levitation at room temperature and atmospheric pressure and mechanism, which is quite a funny science burn. What? Oh, because it's science fiction. Yeah, because it's not actually Superconductor. But shout out to whoever put that on the list. I'm not nominating it, but well done. I think I am the person who has done the most long form. So I might introduce long form, go through the ones I've seen and the ones I think might be worth seeing before it all wraps up. Good. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Agreed. Asteroid City, Wes Anderson movie. Absolutely phenomenal. I am not... It does have an alien in it. I was about to say I wasn't sure if it was genre, but it does have aliens in it. So I guess it probably is really... Um, it's very close to the wild, but also if you have things like Oppenheimer and hidden figures and shit like that, you definitely get Asteroid City. It's more science fiction than Oppenheimer, obviously. And it is also a masterpiece, so I will be enthusiastically nominating that. Um, Barbie was very, very good. It's it's technically genre. I'm not sure I think it's primarily good for its genre elements. So I might nominate it, but equally, if there is a lot of other very sf stuff on my ballot, I might not, which is not to say I didn't love it. The creator was very pretty, but was also awful, so it will not be going on my ballot. D&D movie was great. Not sure it deserves, like, not sure it needs a Hugo. It made more money than God, I think, um, but it was very fun. It's probably going on my ballot because I don't see a lot of movies and I really enjoyed that one. That is fair. I mean, it is very good. It's basically, it feels like a movie that's in conversation with the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie in terms of like its whole vibe. In that way, I really enjoyed it. Um, And also Chris Pine is just, he's brilliant in everything he does. Even things that are not good. Chris Pine is good in them. I feel like one of the things about the Dungeons & Dragons movie is that it had a lot there for people who had played a lot of Dungeons & Dragons in about 1980 and it had a lot there for people who played a lot of Dungeons & Dragons in 2023 and it had quite a lot there for people who had never played Dungeons & Dragons. And I think that's quite a good trick to pull off in a a tie-in movie. Yes, it also had a female a female lead with armpit hair tons of armpit hair and sensible armor that was good and also hugh grant hamming it up beyond hamness hugh grant hugh grant is living his best life and i am here for it he really is <laughs> uh guardians galaxy volume 3 which did make me cry will be going on my ballot the marvels i loved the marvels some people didn't like the marvels but those people i politely disagree with uh that might go on my ballot and then there's Polite Society, which is the British Indian genre movie, which was absolutely phenomenal. I am slightly surprised that I was the one to put it on the spreadsheet of Doom. I would very, very much like to see this movie on the ballot. No chance. Oh, I know there's no chance, but that's why I'm trying to use my platform, Alison. Um, I would... I would very much like our listeners to go and watch it and nominate it. Um, Look it up. It's really, 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 really good. And then Poor Things, which I think it would be astounding if it wasn't on the ballot, which was also really, really, really good. I I feel like Poor Things should have a following wind for a Glasgow Worldcon. It really should, despite the fact that it didn't end up being set in Glasgow. And then Spider-Verse 2, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which will definitely be on my ballot. Yeah. Because... It was a masterpiece, even more than the first one was a masterpiece. And the first one was a masterpiece. The only problem is it is the ending, but I don't think that mars it enough for me not to want to nominate it. Has anyone mentioned Indiana Jones as the Dial of Destiny? 
Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is not on the Hugo Spreadsheet of Doom, which probably tells you a lot about its chances of getting on the ballot. It is a major genre movie of 2023, which I watched on airplane. (laughs) It's terrible. It's a terrible film. I really quite enjoyed it, but it's terrible. In best dramatic presentation long form, listener Raj wrote in to recommend the D&D movie and Across the Spider-Verse, as we've mentioned, but also recommended Nimona, which I don't think I know what it is, and season five of Ghosts, which we have mentioned before, but we had not mentioned just now. So yes, also ones to consider. Oh, Nimona is the Netflix film based on the um, webcomic and graphic novel. That has passed me by. Thank you very much for writing in Raj. That's good. All right, shall we do best related work? So there are multiple things for best related work. Some people have been mentioning all these worlds, reviews and essays by Neil Harrison. I wanted to do that. Please nominate all these worlds, reviews and essays by Neil Harrison. It is fantastic. I still haven't finished it, but the essays that I've read, which is quite a few of them now, are all great. And it is jolly good and thought provoking. And we are totally biased, guys. 100% biased podcast on this matter. The other book that I will be nominating is A City on Mars, which I thought was extremely good and really enjoyed. Oh, that is getting a lot of buzz. Yes, it is. I think I've seen people mention that the best fan writer slash best fanzine packet that was done unofficially before Chengdu released it is eligible, but I would much rather recognise the people who did that in best fan writer. Oh, you mean mean that that's stuff from... Hmm. That's tricky because surely that fan packet is a republication of stuff that was from 2022. Yeah, that's the thing. I I think it's primarily notable for the fan effort rather than the contents. And therefore, I would rather reward the people for the effort than the contents. And I don't know who wins the Hugo if all of the fanzines win a Hugo. It just, I don't, I don't love it. Excellent. How about this? Um, a Traveller in Time, The Critical Practice of Maureen Kincaid's Speller, edited by Nina Allen. That seems to me to be like an excellent, absolutely the sort of thing I would like to see on the Hugo ballot for best related work. Yes, I would agree. It's a shame that there are two like really good collections of criticism from you know UK critics who knew and worked with each other coming out in the same year. Let's get them both on the ballot and then they can fight it out, duke it out for first and second place. That sounds good to me. Another fantastic book about genre that came out in 2023 was the book 50 Years of Text Games by Aaron Reed. It started as a substack, but then it was much revised and produced for the book. And the book is amazing. And it is a really, I absolutely love it when really thoughtful, comprehensive books about um, gaming history come out because there are not that many of them yet because it is still quite a young genre in that sense and this is a wonderful book and nearly all of these individual neither nearly all of the individual games of genre but not all by any means but overall it's clearly relevant to best related work and i would like to see that on the ballot even though i know it's only me so if you have any interest at all in the history of text games this is a book you should read Um, i'm about to put it on there and that I, i mean one of the articles from that went viral right which one was that? Oh, I'm just finding it. It was the one about the... Um... Female commune? Nuns? Yeah. Nuns making text games. Something like that. I can't remember if they're nuns. Yeah. Women? Women in some sort of context. Yeah, I forget. We'll put a link in the show notes, listeners. Yes, I found it. It was the one about um, 
St. Bride's School, which turns out to be, yeah, like a, a, a school which was putting out text adventures. Um, but it, I remember it did go viral and lots of people really read that and then became aware of the 50 Years of Text Adventures. Yeah, it ended up getting called 50 Years of... It started out as 50 Years of Text Adventures, but the book is 50 Years of Text Games because obviously the games included ended up being very much broader than just text adventures. I've also heard good stuff, and this is going to link, you know, a bit of foreshadowing here. I've heard good stuff about I Am the Law, How Judge Jed Predicted Our Future by Michael Mulcher. So I may try and get around to that before the de- nomination deadline as well. And that dovetails very nicely into Best Graphic Story. I will be nominating a thing. The thing I will be nominating is Moon Knight Volume 9 by Jed Mackay and Alessandro Capuccio and Rochelle Rosenberg. It's really good. I've never seen. I've recommended Moon Knight on the podcast before, and I love Moon Knight as a character, but I do not think all the Moon Knight comics are good. I think that is important to say. This Moon Knight comic is great. Um, it is weird. The art is superb. I cannot overstate how good the art is. Like sometimes I just look at pages for like five minutes, being like, "This is just dope." The way in which it discusses the character is really really nice and the way in which it kind of it embraces some of the weirder aspects of the marvel universe including one comic where he fights a house which is the sort of thing i love in comics because you can't do that elsewhere um it's got vampires in it he just ah it's, it's, it's all of the weird bits of marvel and it's great and it wrapped up in 2023 uh in december I don't think I've actually got to that issue yet, but I've read the preceding 27 issues and they were all issues I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, so yes, I, I I will be nominating that. I suspect it will not be on the ballot, but I will nominate it. Presumably the way to get hold of that one is to take Marvel Unlimited for a month and read it all. Yes. Is there still a delay between stuff popping up on Marvel Unlimited? There's six months normally, so you might not get all of it that way. By the time you've read issues 1 to 27, issues 28 to 30 will probably have popped up, I would say, but I might be wrong. I believe you can also just buy it. I will put links in the show notes to where the collections are available. Alison, you were going to recommend some comics as well. I was going to I was going to say once one more time, Why Don't You Love Me by Paul B. Rainey, but I think we have mentioned that multiple times on the podcast now. I have read it. Did you like it? Oh, it's very bleak. <laughs> I think I liked it, but Jesus Christ, it was bleak. It's very bleak. It, it is pretty bleak. And it and people talk about the ending being um, optimistic, and I feel like they read a different graphic novel to the one I read. <laughs> I was going to say, it's got, one of the, it's got one of the bleakest endings I've ever read, I think. I feel like they did not understand the ending. Yeah, like, maybe. It's tricky, right? Because I don't want to cast aspersions on people who interpret art differently to me, but... I did not feel uplifted by the last page, put it that way. Um, but, you know, uh, it is clearly very good. But, but also there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff in graphic story that comes around is quite... I don't know how to explain it. Shit. <laughs> I don't mean shit, but I mean kind of quite basic entertainment. You know, it's, it's, you know when I was saying how much I like the Dungeons & Dragons movie? I mean, I liked it because it made me laugh quite a lot for a couple of hours. Yeah. But I feel like when I read graphic stories, including some quite well thought of ones, quite a lot of them don't really do a lot more with the form and and uh, than that. They entertain me for a while and then I'm done with it. And I would like to see graphic stories that have the 
used to have the same sort of weight and texture as novels do and all too often I don't see that so when when one comes along that does do that I want to celebrate it is that is that fair yeah I think that's fair it's it's not like many other things I have read so from that perspective I would like to see a bigger range of genre graphic novels please uh, what I will say and this is tricky because it feels like I'm criticizing it for something it wasn't true it's I'm one of my core criticisms of it is that it didn't do what I wanted it to do, but I don't know if it wanted to do it, and I am historically a bit hesitant to levy that kind of thing. I wish it had been bleaker and funnier. I think I would have really liked it if it was a if it had hewed more to the style of old school newspaper strip where it was like bam bam punchline, and I and I I did I just I think I would have liked it more if it had been more parodic parodic but equally i don't think that's what it's trying to do so i'm not sure if that's like a helpful thing to say i think it hit its intended tone bang on over and over again so i think i have to i have to say you are criticizing it for something the author wasn't wasn't trying to do yeah i think that is right um probably best series i will be enthusiastically nominating the city of last chances slash house of open wounds series for best series ah is it is it two hundred forty thousand words already probably they're quite big it must be yeah see my problem with that john is that i will be enthusiastically nominating the final architecture by one adrian tchaikovsky and therefore we are arguing has Adrian Tchaikovsky written enough extra words in five series for us to nominate the lot of them? I mean, any other author, you'd be like, surely not. But Adrian Tchaikovsky, perhaps. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can nominate the Final Architecture series, which is the one Liz just mentioned. We can nominate the uh, Tyrant Philosophers, which is what uh, the series with City of Less Chances and House of Open Wounds is. I don't know what else he's written in 2023. This is just our equivalent of the sort of people who nominate five Star Trek episodes in 1967, isn't it? Star Trek in 1967 was as groundbreaking and great as Adrian Tchaikovsky is in 2024, and I will be fighting anyone who disagrees. I mean, I would say for bonus um, entertainment, I'm pretty sure both of the Tyrant Philosophers books are eligible in Best Novel due to it only getting a, a 2023 release in uh, the US for the first book. So you, you have a chance to do something very funny. <laughs> And looking it up on Kobo, um, House of Open Wounds is 186,000 words long. And so as long as City of Last Chances was on the 60k, <laughs> which I think it was, then I think it's eligible. I mean, I think it is worth noting that because Anlecki wrote a fourth Imperial Raj book, uh, Translation State, it is possible to nominate the whole thing for series again. Um, I'm not sure I will because I didn't particularly like the fourth book and I feel like the first few got enough individual awards, but it is eligible. So I think listener Raj wrote in, and we'll get onto this in novel because uh, a few people wrote in with their favourite thing from 2023 and I solicited some opinions as well, listeners. But I think Raj mentioned Translation State as one of the favourite five things from, from 2023. So... I don't think Anlecki has ever been nominated for the Hugo Award for Best Series because it post-dates her most well-known series. What else is uh, eligible? A bunch of stuff I haven't read. 
Cool. Dune. You can nominate Dune <laughs> for Best Series, listeners, because they've written another one for some reason. What? Why? Oh, there's tons of them. If this is true, this has a very good chance of winning, because allegedly the Culture series is eligible because there is a work of drawings from the culture which eligibilises it. And if that's true, then a British Worldcon giving Ian M. Banks a Hugo Award for Best Series is not is not unlikely, but I don't know whether that counts. And I had not heard that. I feel that is against the spirit of the award in a big way. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I will be nominating it. You know, it's not like, like Elric was properly eligible last year because Moorcock had written a new Elric book. Spoiler, he's written another one. It's eligible this year. <laughs> good out. Let's, let's vote for... Let's, let's get Elric a Hugo. That would be good. Yeah, but it's going to be really difficult because I won't nominate the culture. But if the culture's on the ballot, it was a very good series. I don't know what I'd do then. That's tricky. We'll have an argument if it happens. It's going to be a really, yeah, really tricky one there, isn't it? Like, because someone's going to have to make an eligibility call. Yeah, that would be down to um, Hugo Uberchef. The Hugo Heston Blumenthal, Nicholas White. Yeah, Hugo Heston Blumenthal, Nicholas White. Shall we move on to short fiction? Yeah, is this just going to be me? Liz, who pays a lot of attention to magazines. I don't actually. I just... I find that short fiction has quite a low hit rate for me. So I did read a bunch of stuff which was either off the Locust recommended reading list or things I had collected over time from, you know, recommendations on Blue Sky or whatever, or, you know, things. There's also Rocket Stack Rank that does um, ranking of stories and things. And I read a few of their top ranked ones and I didn't like that many of them. So... Yeah, I've got a few suggestions, but not as many that kind of really made me go, oh, this is amazing. Um, so I'm hoping that the Hugos, the nominations will draw some more stuff up, especially in Novelette. I've got nothing in Novelette yet. For listeners who are listening to the edit, the reason Liz now sounds fed up is because I just made that terrible air conditioning joke from the start of the show here. I was on a roll and John is making terrible air conditioning jokes. Serious science fictional content coming up. I'm going to nominate some short fiction for the Hugos. So in Best Short Fiction, I have a suggestion, which is a piece called Spring Woods Spring by B. Playdeck, which was published at Strange Horizons. And it, it, the premise basically is that the trees have started glowing. Um, and it's a kind of nice meditation on climate change, on ageing, on families, on like the end of civilization in a way. And I just really, really in- enjoyed the tone. So I'm going to suggest that one. That's cool. Yeah, that's not on the giant spreadsheet of doom. Oh, well, I should put it on the giant spreadsheet of doom. I've, I've read a few more of the things recommended, but I haven't, you know, completely fallen for any of them. But there is there is good stuff that might turn up on the ballot. My other recommendations are all novellas. Somehow I've read three novellas, none of which are from Tor.com, which is unusual for me. I didn't even know that was possible. Oh, yeah. Well, I read A Theory of Haunting by Sarah Monette, which is in her uh, series, the Carl Murchison Booth series, which I have read none of the rest of, actually. <clears throat> but they're all kind of mysteries starring this Carl Booth, who is a, a kind of archivist and... Uh, goes out to solve various mysteries and ghost stories it's it's a ghost story in a haunted house but it, it, it's a good one i'm also going to pick 
walking practice by Dolky Min, as previously picked by me, which is quite long. So I'm worried it actually crosses over into novel, but I'm going to pick it for novella. And the last one I'm going to pick is called On the English Approach to the Study of History. And I almost don't want to style what the English approach to the study of history is, but it's basically a novella. It's a novella all about academic history, which is performed in a certain way, originating from Queen's College, Cambridge. And so it's about kind of, you know, it's about academia, it's about hierarchies, it's about young women and non-white people and how they get along in academia. It's about kind of how the same methods get used over and over and people don't want to challenge them. But it's also kind of a horror slash ghost story. The whole thing does take place in a college where I spent an awful lot of time as an undergrad. So that's probably why I like it. But I still thought it was good. And that is by E. Saxe. And it was published in uh, Giganotosaurus, who I think generally have pretty good fiction. And so I might nominate them in Best Semi-Prozine as well. I both, All of those sound really interesting. I will look them up enthusiastically. Giganotosaurus, I think, is a good shout for Best Semi-Prozine, as is Strange Horizons. Which has been nominated 11 years in a row at this point and never won and come very, very close. Vote for Strange Horizons. Yeah, it's probably about time to to celebrate Strange Horizons. Should be their year, maybe. I have unsubscribed from Uncanny, so I have not really read any short fiction this year. So I will be throwing myself on the mercy of people's recommendations. I mean, I do think Naomi Quitzer's The Year Without Sunshine from Uncanny is a dead sir in novelette. Fair enough. Yeah, so The Year Without Sunshine is a story about kind of communities coming together in the face of difficult times and apocalypse. And I think it will really, I don't know, I thought it was fine, but I think it will really appeal to people who want that sort of story about having a sense of community and coming together and people working together to solve problems. Listener Raj wrote in and recommended The Year Without Sunshine by Naomi Kritzer for Novelette. So thank you very much, Raj. I mean, do send us your recommendations, guys. Um, I am looking forward to seeing the ballot and then reading some short fiction. Can we talk about novels before we run out of time? Yes. Yeah. I read some novels. I didn't read many, though. <laughs> Liz read all the novels. <clears throat> yeah, I read a lot, apparently. I was going to do some last-minute novel reading, and I solicited some opinions on what might be good to read from various people. And then when I went to look at them on Goodreads to see whether Alison or Liz had read them, uh, Alison and Liz had read all of them except one. So I started reading the one that they had. That must be Alison or Liz, because <laughs> there's no way I'd read all of them. That You haven't read all of them, but there are a few where Liz hadn't and you had. Like So between you, you are quite good on 2023 fiction. Well done both. Yeah. Right. Well, I started doing some um, emergency reading for this podcast, and I was going to read Julia by Sandra Newman, which is a book that a lot of people have talked about who are not necessarily in our regular thing. It is a book that is in conversation, as they say, with 1984 by George Orwell. And I read the first eight pages and thought, oh, shit, I need to go and read 1984 by George Orwell. So I'm, I'm just here to tell you that's quite a good book that holds up way better than you might think it does, um, but is perhaps not eligible for the Hugo. So Julia is an interesting novel, but I'm only halfway through it. I think it's probably not as good as it thinks it is, but I think there is plenty of space 
to think about some of the other characters who exist in the space of 1984 and what's going on in their lives. And that is what Sandra Newman has tried to do here, whilst also saying something quite interesting about the philosophy and um, kind of meta story of 1984, which is always of course a huge thing um but i'm not sure it entirely succeeds as a novel but i think it needs a shout um i have not read hopeland but if i had a pound for everybody who had told me that hopeland by ian mcdonald is the best novel of the year um i would have had enough for about 20 percent of the money i spent in game shops yesterday and i think I would love to see Ian on the ballot at a Glasgow Worldcon, so everyone should nominate Hopeland. Um, that's outrageous, whether it's good or not, but I hope it is, and I will definitely read it before nominations come around. I have read Some Desperate Glory by Emily Tesh, and I picked it as a former pick, and I think it is quite a book book. And I have read The Saint of Bright Doors, which is not a book like any book I've ever read before, and I think that is quite an interesting book, but I kind of slightly like it a little bit less once I learnt just how much the amazing central city is just Colombo and just how much it borrows very directly from a major creation myth of Buddhism. But I think probably it is still pretty good. And and that and it's a very interesting book. And I think that's probably about all of the ones that I have have come to my attention that aren't also going to be on Liz's list. And, and indeed some of those are on my list, yeah. All right. I'd like to see him by Jeff Ryman on the ballot as well. And that's another one that I have to confess I haven't actually read. People who have read it tell me, tell me it's very, very good. But this will be a good year to get some excellent British novelists on the list. Guys, let's do that. I'm going to pick some books that I have read and also weren't published many years ago. So I think that's probably a good, a good starting point. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say, only Alison, when asked what should we read from 2023, could go on a digression about 1984. Sorry, guys. So I, I am probably picking Some Desperate Glory. Uh, I'm in the middle of The Saint of Bright Doors, and unless it's terrible in the last half, then I'm probably picking that as well. My other possibilities are Cahokia Jazz by Francis Buffett, which is an alternate history kind of 20s noir so it's basically the the setting is that it's the 1920s and there is still like a huge Native American population that is thriving and has not been completely wiped out. And they have this uh, city-state called Cahokia, which is home to a mix of um, Native Americans, African Americans and Europeans. And it's about um, a murder that is investigated by Native American who was... Um, fostered as a child and so he does not speak the local language and is European partner and he gets entangled with the politics of the city yeah and I really liked it I mean the closest the closest thing to it is um sorry I can't remember the name of the book it is closest to oh Yiddish Policeman's Union so it feels a lot like the Yiddish Policeman's Union in that it is kind of a murder mystery uh and the main thing is that it is set in this alternate alternate United States so it did feel a bit like that, but in a really good way. I like the Yiddish Policeman's Union, but it's not maybe quite core genre in that way. What else am I going to nominate? I'm thinking about In Ascension by Martin McInnes, which is this really nicely written book about going into uh, space and investigating a mysterious signal. Yeah, and it's kind of about this... I'm trying to say, how, how much do I want to say about this? 
it's kind of a, a protagonist who has kind of thrown herself into sort of marine biology and the study of that in a way to get away from you know the difficult family relationships she has um and she ends up kind of yeah deciding she's going to go to the stars and I, I read this quite a while ago but i really enjoyed it what else am i thinking of nominating Basically, then I've got like an extra slot or maybe an extra two slots that might contain City of Last Chances, as uh, mentioned on this podcast previously, The Reformatory, as recommended a couple of episodes ago by me, Titanium Noir, as recommended by me, probably a few episodes ago, and Our Share of Night by Mariana Enrique. I'm not sure if this is actually 2023 or 2022, because it's a translation of an earlier novel, but that is sort of a... Uh, a very long novel about people with sort of supernatural powers and investigating the kind of other other worlds set in 1980s Argentina. According to Kobo, that's 2022. Yes, but I think it might be 2023 in the US. Ah. Which I guess counts. This is the last year. This, the, this is the last year it does count, but it would this year. Yes. Well, we'll get into that again when I've bothered reading that one. Yes, you are right. It is eligible uh, through the US publication. But I think I think it stands very little chance of being on the ballot. And but then if it's on the, if it is on the ballot, it's like seven hundred pages and quite dense. So I don't think it stands a chance then either. I read. I I can't remember how much I've read that's eligible. I am told by my learned co-host Liz that the City of Last Chances is eligible because it was only published in the US in twenty twenty three. What I will say is that the Hugo Spreadsheet of Doom has the sequel, House of Open Wounds, on it instead. So I wonder whether that is the one that people will get behind. But I will read I will read House of Open Wounds before the uh, nominations close, and I will probably nominate both if they're eligible, because I love Adrian Chikovsky novels. The book I have started to read but not finished, I'm about halfway through, I was hoping I would tear through it, and it turns out it's an incredibly difficult book to tear through because it deals with loads of like um, hard stuff is uh, Bridge by Lauren Bucus, which is about there is a woman and her mother dies and she has to go through her mother's stuff. So it's probably maybe content warnings for anyone who's had to recently go through that trigger trigger warning. Yeah. And she has a memory that when she was young, her mother used to take drugs and let her take drugs and go to parallel dimensions and her therapist has worked on this with her and explained how this is probably a false memory that's repressing something uh but since i'm really but this is a lauren bucus novel so since i am recommending it on the octothought podcast one may be able to discern that this perhaps might not be the case part of the reason it's so difficult is because large parts of it deal with like if you're doing a thing that to someone else sounds absolutely insane how do they process that and how do you process your grief and if you're doing this while you're processing that grief does that make it look worse to the exterior person and why did your mother not talk to you more and there's a lot of really really hard stuff in there but i am really enjoying it so far i'm about halfway through so if it doesn't completely screw the landing uh, i would confidently recommend it uh, and like anyone who's read mucus's previous novels like it it seems up there with all of them maybe even better so yes i am 
I haven't finished it yet, so you know the last half might be rubbish, but I strongly suspect it won't be, um, and I might pick it properly once I've actually finished it. Sounds quite scary. It's really good. I'm not sure I would recommend you read it because of how it might be quite triggering. <laughs> we also heard from listener Raj, who recommended some books we haven't covered. Well, we covered Translation State in uh, Best Series, but Raj recommends that for novel. He also recommends Meru by S.B. Divya, Descendant Machine by Gareth L. Powell, uh, Starter Villain by John Scalzi, and Bookshops and Bone Dust by Travis Baldry. I'll be astounded if that latter isn't on the uh, ballot. I wrote to Neil Harrison uh, to ask what he would nominate, and most of his picks are ones that have already come up as Liz and Allison have been talking but his favorite five books did include orbital by samantha harvey which we did not yet mention and which he really enjoyed uh, i wrote to abigail nussbaum to ask her for her opinions and she recommended the terraformers by annalee newitz and the mad sisters of isai by tashan mehta um, both of which we didn't mention and also recommended some others that we did and i also wrote to graham slight and he recommended some we haven't mentioned so he recommended Conquest by Nina Allen, Biography of X by Catherine Lacey, Profit by Helen MacDonald and Sin Blaché, uh, Dryland by B. Pladek, who we mentioned in short story, and Airside by Christopher Priest. So this is the last chance to get a Christopher Priest book onto the Hugo ballot for a UK Wilcon, possibly our greatest British science fiction author, just saying. I will definitely read it before nominations close. Um, Graham excerpted his picks from a locus article so that was very handy because i can just link you all to the locus article where he talks to that topic that was it that's all of it not bad shall we do picks no no and that was the old thought podcast <laughs> and it's goodbye from me it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me So when I go to... Oh, this is a clone of e-fanzines that I've found through Google. How strange. That is weird. I just saw that the um, I just saw that the, the URL was not actually e-fanzines.com and that'll be why. Fair enough. Okay, good. Yeah, so what you want is e-fanzines.com slash idea. Some sort of weird bootleg e-fanzines. Why? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's bizarre. Okay, yes, cool. The theme music for this episode was Fanfare for Space by Kevin MacLeod and Competech.com, used under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. This podcast will end at the beep. Beep.